Hey agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. If you enjoy our podcast, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode and help keep this show at the top of the charts so it can be found by more agency owners like you. And now for the show. So, hey, agency owners. So we have an awesome guest on the show today. Her name is Christine Haas, and she is an Emmy award-winning former TV news anchor and the founder and CEO of Christine Haas Media. Christine Haas Media is a public relations and video storytelling firm dedicated to delivering publicity and branding in a simplified way for her clients. Christine left TV news after 15 years in the business, and she is also the author of the best-selling book, Call Me. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christine. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So I was getting to know you a little bit, and one of the things that sort of came up in me looking into you was you have this term called um, targeted publicity. And was just wanting to understand, you know, that versus, you know, the machine gun approach to publicity and like how that's really meaningful and, and really what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think a lot of times when people start to approach PR, it's overwhelming. If they've not done it, if they've heard about agencies or boutique PR firms that charge large retainers and they think, gosh, I don't know if I can come up with that amount of money and take a risk with that money, right? Because they want to know specifically what kind of results that they can get. A lot of times, I think we've all, I'm an entrepreneur myself after leaving the media and as a business owner, you want to just hand off something and say, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to give it to this person. Whatever you charge, just make it work, right? But a lot of times people end up with bad results or they end up with, you know, resentment because they think, gosh, you know, I spent all this money and what did I get for it? You know, and I think going into any business, of course, but specifically for us in this conversation, PR, with a targeted goal is really important. And I say that because a lot of times people go, well, whatever you think, you know, just try it and whatever you think is going to work for me and not doing due diligence on how those things going are going to go. Now, again, as in speaking to agency holders or agency owners, the last thing we want on our end is high maintenance clients, right? You don't want <laughs> your clients to come to you and say, this is what I want you to do and target here because they hired you to know best, right? So I say a little bit of that, you know, tongue in cheek, same goes for a PR firm. You don't want to go in and tell them what to do because obviously you're hiring them for a reason. But you want to agree on goals and you want to agree on short-term, long-term outlook. And the first question somebody should be asking you is, what do you want from this media? Some people want to sell books, right? Some people want brand awareness. Some of our clients are big law firms and they're targeting people who might have been exposed to a specific issue that would end up with a mass tort type of case for their law firms. So you have to know what you're after. If you just say, well, let's just see what comes from it, that's the kind of result you're going to get. So I always work with people to help them understand if you want clients through the door, this is the road you're going to take. If you want brand awareness and you just want certain logos for your website, you can do that in a smaller, short-term kind of goal-setting thing. 
And if you want brand awareness long-term to leave a legacy brand, things look a little different that way too. So one of the things that like I know is really impactful when it comes to PR is, as you were talking about, what are the goals? And one, th- one of the things that I know can happen, right, is that media loves media and that it takes time to gain traction. So like, what is a realistic expectation to be having when actually going into a PR strategy of what types of results can people typically expect in, you know, a shorter period of time? Because I think that the expectation component is the piece where people really feel like, hey, I haven't gotten the traction. And then unfortunately, they quit before they really had and they were about on like that precipice of actually getting a lot of results. And then they stop at the wrong time. Yeah, and that's really some good questions to ask and what the expectations are. Many of you have probably seen the emails come through that say, I can get you in Bloomberg with your headline, you know, tomorrow. And you you see people say ABC, NBC, CBS logos or 75 outlets for $99. We can have that to you in 30 days, right? Those types of people are doing press releases or they're doing online content and they're doing massive blasts of a message. So if the goal is to just be able to say that you need an ABC, CBS, NBC logo out there or whatever, you know, online outlet you're looking for, and you want that for your social media and you want that for your website, that looks very different as far as a timeline versus, you know, I want to be on national news. My goal is to be on the Today Show because I have this, you know, overall mission to educate people about mental wellness or whatever. And I've got all of these things that I want to do an investment of six months for say, it's a hard answer to give you specifically, but the expectations are there are pay for play type of placements out there where you can get yourself on what looks like an earned media morning show in pretty much, I shouldn't say every market, but a lot of news TV markets are out there. That's stuff that you can get done in two weeks. And with Zoom, because of COVID, you can literally be on three or four newscasts, all from your comfort of your desk or home in 30 days. And we do that for some people. My background is an Emmy Award-winning journalist. I, I struggle with that because, you know, there is that sense of, is that really news? Are you really authentic when you say, on your website, I've been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS. Well, you paid your way on. Yes, technically you have been. But are you a trusted resource for those news outlets? That looks a lot different. And it could happen quite fast, depending on the client. You know, if you have an attorney with some amazing, you know, I have an attorney right now, he's got a client who has had a brain amoeba eating or an amoeba that's eating brains uh, of small children. Like that's a massive story, right? Mm -hmm. And that story is going to go gangbusters for him. And so knowing the assets that he has, that's going to be a huge win for him. But if you are coming from a different place where you're an entrepreneur, digital marketing agency, and you want to get in the conversation, you're not going to be breaking news or headline news per se, but you can get into conversations that are already out there. I have some digital marketing um, clients, actually. And what we do is we look at, you know, the trends and we get people pitched as experts in those trends. For example, when Instagram and Facebook went down, it showed 
I mean, everybody freaked out, right? Mm -hmm. But in so many different ways, the tentacles of the impact were just amazing. So, for example, those folks were able to get on there and talk about the power of diversifying your online platform if you're a business owner, because that was proof in those 24, 48 hours that literally the lights could go out for you if you Mm -hmm. haven't diversified. So now we're pitching our experts in that regard to the media and they got on and they were a thought leader. They got the exposure, USA Today, Wall Street Journal. So you can see how it can flow if your timing is right. Which I think is, you know, really important, right, is recognizing how you can leverage the what's actually going on in the media today. Right. And especially when you're talking about actually pitching a news station or journalist. It actually has to tie to, you know, a wider audience, especially like as you were mentioning it being on a national um, news channel is that it has to hit a larger demographic. And realistically speaking, talking about business oriented things may not actually be wide enough for it. So how do you actually go about and think about how you can actually tie in what's going on, trending stories into that type of thing in a, in, and on an ongoing basis when, you know, Facebook and Instagram doesn't go down? Sure, sure. Yes. And I would then say, okay, who is the client? Maybe they're real estate, you know? And so there's plenty of media around real estate, like Inman is much like the Forbes of real estate. So, you know, there's plenty of outlets, Success Magazine, you know, all those things that we can look at to keep it within the niche that they're trying to reach. Then, you know, I always say, It looks a little crazy if all of a sudden, you know, you start up a business and, you know, three, five months later, all of a sudden you're featuring that you were a feature in Forbes. I mean, that looks a little weird, pretty much anybody, right? It's like, wait, what? How did that happen? If you have no leeway, like no run up to that with other media, it looks and I think everybody's kind of getting the word about the fact that you can pay your way into these outlets. Mm-hmm. Now that uh, the the ethical side of that is a whole different conversation as a former journalist that I I won't get into today but it exists it is a way and a tool for people to get into or hack their way into bigger media faster but you know there are other platforms that you can go after to answer your question and that would be maybe local news smaller you know articles in maybe you know say for example you live in Baltimore There's all kind of Baltimore newspaper, a Baltimore TV. You know, you start there and you position yourself. If you're trying to do it yourself, and I do have a course and I have a free guide for anybody who wants to get on my email and or get my email and I can send it to them. It's basically how to pitch a local news reporter on your own. And it is about knowing what they cover. So the media, if you're if you've got a real estate reporter who, you know, really covers commercial real estate for an outlet. Like I live in Austin, Texas. Austin Business Journal is a high profile outlet. There are plenty of so-called beat reporters. You know, they cover commercial real estate. You're not going to pitch an e-commerce business concept to a commercial real estate, you know, reporter. But a lot of people don't know that because they don't take the time to research the outlet. It's very easy. All you have to do is go on, maybe you're watching the evening news, which a lot of people don't do that much anymore, but go on to that website, look at the bios of the the reporters, and usually under the bio, it'll, in addition, it'll give you contact, social media, maybe an email address, but it'll give you the most recent stories they've covered. Watch some of those stories. You know, it, if you haven't watched them on the news, 
be consistent with knowing what they're doing before you pitch them. You know, if, if they're an education reporter, obviously that's not the right place. A lot of times they're covering a little bit of everything. So you use that as a tool in your pitch to, to look informed, to sound informed. Yep. Hey, I just want to let you know, I saw your story from yesterday about city council. He did a great job. Let me tell you about a story that I think might add to that. And that would be a good transition and a pitch. Awesome. The thing that I, you know, think is really important here, and I know that my own authority that I've built in this space has been really impactful to my business growth. And for agency owners, you know, the, the vast majority of them are so referral focused and referral based, you know, and not being able to actually build the authority that they're looking for. How can they really look at PR as a way of helping and boasting and bolstering their efforts from a lead gen and authority building? And how can it really have impact to their business on an ongoing basis? I always pose this question to people who are kind of on the fence about whether it's time for PR or not. And SEO has a place, ads have a place, right? But do you pass the Google test? And that's essentially maybe you have a fantastic ad platform and they, you know, click on that and they're thinking, boy, this is the person, agency, whatever it might be that they're clicking on. But what do we all do? We immediately go and Google the name to kind of mm -hmm. see the reputation, right? So if they have a bad rap, that's not good, of course. But what if there's nothing? You know, if there's nothing there either, it's kind of like, you know, but then what if the second person that comes up, it has something that says featured on ABC or an interview or even press releases for that matter. Anything that shows they're alive and well and they're not scam artists, right? Because mm -hmm. you never know on Facebook or Instagram what, what you're going to get from an ad. You want to feel connected to the person you want to trust them to get through the gate to the first call, right? So I always say, you know, do you pass the Google test? And how important is that for you? And do your competitors outperform you there? So maybe you're looking for, you just moved to a new town and you're looking for a dentist and you're in your community and you Google dentist, cosmetic dentist, whatever it might be in your city. SEO has a place there, right? But if you have two people that look really good and they're close to you and one's been featured on the news or featured in Wall Street Journal or USA Today about any oral hygiene type of topic and you have somebody who's just kind of has a normal website, who are you going to select? You know, yep. typically people, even regardless of what you think of the media these days, and I understand there's a lot of concern, it's still a perceived endorsement, right? It's like yep. all of a sudden they've been vetted by the news, so they must be better. And that's not necessarily true. But that branding and the marketing serves a purpose. I mean, I, I can attest to the fact that that definitely happens. I mean, from my own ad funnels and everything, yeah, I can actually see, you know, the the activity that someone has on those landing pages. And then typically I actually see someone land on the landing page and then they leave for about a minute. And it's sort of obvious now. And initially I was questioning, it's like, what are they, why is everyone leaving for a minute? It's like, oh yeah, they're going to go Google my name or Google. my business name yep. to see, you know, is this person that's worth trusting? And that yes. absolutely happens always. And, you know, especially in the modern day, you know, everyone is looking and there's, we're in the information age and they're trying to gain information and understand who you are. Yep, absolutely. And you know, it's to the detriment too. If you have a really bad review out there, you know, you need something to come in and bolster that, you know, or knock that down. We often work with SEO type of companies because they're doing reputation management and you can't always, you know, completely alienate what that bad thing out there might be. 
but you can add to the good stuff, right? So yeah. you can keep pushing up that. And so maybe the bad stuff goes to page two or three. Now you got some good stuff and the normal consumer doesn't get that far down yeah. the road. So it helps. 100%. I mean, so there's tons of stuff that can be done from a PR side of things, you know, from actually trying to get, you know, direct editorials and actually being interviewed by journalists directly to even just being mentioned and quoted in other articles that are being done. What would you say is like, you know, the first sort of step if someone's considering whether they want to go into this area, what would you say they should look into considering uh, PR as a potential avenue for bolstering their authority? So I recently wrote an article, I'm in Forbes and I, you know, do some leadership type of interview, or I should say stories. And I did that whole story about what to look for when you're selecting a PR firm. You know, of course, you know, I don't ever want to say no to business, but, you know, some people just want to do business with somebody that they have in their community, whatever it might be. So I always say the best tools are to make sure that they have done work in your area of expertise. So sometimes they're entertainment focused and they may have amazing results from people who have been on the Today Show or Good Morning America or CNN and they have all that over there. But you don't want the shiny object syndrome to hit you with that because you have to realize that they may have had some up and coming musicians that got those those people there and they're natural fits for those shows. Mm -hmm. If you're a digital marketing agency or a new agency and they have not done work with anybody in your space before or even remotely close, that's a red flag. You wanna mm -hmm. make sure that they understand what's going to be necessary because they could be, just like any of us, we are really good in certain areas and we're not so good in other areas. And many times we delegate that off to other people, right? Same kind of concept. You wanna make sure that they understand your niche. Also, you want to make sure that you go in with an accountability kind of concept. Okay, so in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever it might be, what do you think you can get for me? You know, where do you, what type of outlets are you going to be pitching? What's the kickoff call look like? You know, are we going to be consistent in goals? Mm -hmm. What is the reporting process? You know, understand the time commitment as well. So for example, right now, I think is such a great time and we're, you know, knock on wood, we're winding out of that time because of COVID Please. now lifting. <laughs> but with Zoom, you know, yeah, I know, I'm afraid to say it. But with Zoom, you know, it's really allowed um, the media to reach people and people to reach the media in a far much easier fashion. So mm -hmm. before COVID, I would have authors come to me all the time and say, I want to do a book tour or a CEO, for example, who might have a significant book. But you have to do that book tour and they have to get on planes. You know, yeah. they have to go in studio to all these different places. So understand the time commitment. Understand, you know, what that's going to look like. Do you expect that most of my interviews are going to be done via Zoom? Do you expect I'm going to need to get on a plane? What do you see for the time commitment from me or my staff? Am I going to have a specific person to contact when I need something? Do we have weekly calls? It's the same thing that you would do with your own clients, but make mm -hmm. sure you do that in reverse because it's very easy and I'm guilty where I just say, you're be you know best. I mean, you have an amazing reputation. Just give it a shot. And then whatever, you know, business sure. I might have hired, then I go, wait, it's been 30 days and I haven't, I didn't get what I thought. Well, it's probably because we never really lined up what we expected or even came close to on expectations. Yeah. I mean, I also think that 30 days in a PR campaign isn't yeah, enough time to get results as well. But So you mentioned we, earlier, yeah. go ahead. 
I was going to say, yes, you're right in saying that, but I was just going to add to it. We have done packages for the right client where we guarantee a certain number within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. But it's because my team and I were all former journalists. And that was the other thing I was going to throw in there. I like to think that people who have been in the business understand PR in a whole different fashion. So I think that that's a really good thing to look for when you're hiring somebody. So when we go and talk with someone and we understand what they want to talk about, you know, and make sure it's consistent with what the news cycle might be, we can make those kind of guarantees because mm. we'll feel really good about getting them in the conversation and the knowing what the producer. I mean, I think it's, you know, the relationships, right? Just like in every other facet of life, relationships are really important. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you have a guide about how to, you know, go about writing the perfect pitch. And I'll make sure that your email and link for that guide is included in the show notes. But if you wouldn't mind right. giving us a little bit of a sneak peek into, you know, what is the perfect pitch and what are the components of it? Yes. And it's kind of like a recipe. And I, I feel like that's why I say we're fortunate, you know, being in journalism in the past because we understand some of the constraints. So some of the things that I cover in there are the best times of day to reach a reporter or a writer. So just kind of in a nutshell, a news cycle, for example, you know, you've got typically the morning show, maybe a midday show, five, six, 10 or 11, depending what part of the country you're in. And so you have reporters that sometimes work during the day. Sometimes you have reporters that work for the evening newscast. And they all come in at different times. And there is an editorial meeting in the morning for the folks that are going out to cover a story that day. And then there's one in the afternoon for the people who are covering and tackling the stories for the evening. Mm -hmm. And so knowing the best times of day to reach the reporter to get their attention prior to them walking in the door is really a good idea. So uh, a quick tip here that I cover in that free out, uh, free PDF, PDF, sorry, I can't speak, is knowing, you know, just like anybody else, if you're going into a morning meeting, whatever agency or company you might work for or own, the team comes together and you want to come in with new ideas every day, right? Well, the pressure is even higher on a journalist. So every day you have to come in with either a story idea that you've already kind of got in line that may or may not be accepted, but they're always asking you to come up with something evergreen, something original, something different from your own beat, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What do you have that maybe the competition wouldn't have? And this is the way a reporter excels, right? So you have to know that every day they're coming in with that same pressure. And we know that the news cycle churns so much that Something mm -hmm. that they were emailed about last Friday is no longer probably news on Tuesday. So that email that you sent is not necessarily going to be relevant on Tuesday morning when you're thinking, oh, well, maybe they got around to my email. Is it evergreen enough for that to be pitched on that day? Have you followed up with that reporter? So some of those tips about timing and the best way to reach the reporter. Also, you know, understanding to email or text message. If you have a cell phone number because you've already worked with a reporter, a text message is always best. You know, we were just laughing on a meeting earlier today because I always say, I feel like people need to text to ask permission to call me. Like, I, you know, who's got time to pick up the phone, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, we're all so busy and we'll be on a Zoom and we're texting at the same time. Like, it's easier for somebody to be texted. So I say the same thing. Many of us don't even rarely check our, I mean, I do now, but most people don't really check their voicemail as regularly as they used to. Same concept, 
text message, email is usually the best uh, way to reach a reporter or a writer. That is some great advice. And you heard that everyone do check out the guide. Sounds like there's lots of nuggets of great advice in there. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christine. It's been just phenomenal having you. Happy to be here and such a pleasure. You've got such a great platform yourself and such a great brand. So uh, very pleased to know you. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program. Mm -hmm.